Hey everybody, welcome into To The Point. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday, September the 18th. We got a lot to dive into. Blue Jays fans are rejoicing because their team actually won a series this weekend, a sweep over the Boston Red Sox, and their opponents have stunk. So what a twist of fate for Blue Jays fans. I still think they're one of the most boring teams in all of Major League Baseball to watch, but they might still make the playoffs, and I'll even go on to say this right here right now because we're not going to talk a whole lot of baseball today because it's an NFL Monday. They're going to make the playoffs. There's a guarantee. If I'm wrong, we'll talk about it in exactly two weeks, but they're going to make the playoffs. So there's a guarantee for all the Blue Jays fans. You don't have to watch another game. They're going to because Seattle and Texas have to play each other a lot, and Houston has to play Seattle in there, so they're going to benefit from that. Blue Jays are getting in, signed, sealed, delivered. Congratulations. <laughs> kind of looks like the Marlins are going to make the playoffs, too. It's, it's wild. We'll talk baseball tomorrow and later in the week because there is a lot there and a lot happened from over the weekend. But it is Monday, and on Monday in September – we talk about the NFL, and following tonight's Monday Night Football doubleheader, Saints, Panthers, Browns, Steelers, we will be two weeks into the season. Lots happen. Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles. Saquon Barkley has a sprained ankle that could, that might be particularly serious. Giants are scheduled to play Thursday night at San Francisco. Seems highly unlikely he'll be involved in that game. But there's injuries, the results. But I, I want to start today by talking about panic or patience. How should fan bases, how should teams be feeling at this juncture of the respective seasons? How do you process all of this? And a lot of interesting games yesterday. A lot of results I did not see coming. Seeing the Atlanta Falcons beat Green Bay in the in the manner that they did, certainly surprising. The Seattle Seahawks going into Detroit and defeating the Lions, certainly surprising. So lots has transpired. A lot's happened. But you want to talk about panic. And that's always funner than patience. But I want to start with panic. And I don't even think this is a hot take. Because I don't really, I don't like hot takes. I just like to give my opinion. But if this is a hot take for me, this is my Monday morning overreaction hot take. The Los Angeles Chargers are 0-2. After falling to the... Miami Dolphins at home, and the Tennessee Titans in overtime on the road. And here's the big spiel on this team. Their offense looks the same with a new offensive coordinator. Justin Herbert's play has been lackluster, average, kind of like most of his career, But they signed him to a big contract, and he is talented. You're not, you're not going to trade Justin Herbert. But through his first two games, he has not exactly been the most dynamic, the most impressive quarterback in all of football. 
Quinton Johnson's hardly been involved in the offense. First first round pick wide receiver. You think, okay, we take a guy high in the draft, he'll be at least targeted lots, he'll be used. Yesterday he had one catch for seven yards. He had two catches, I believe, for 19 in week one, so not even 30 yards receiving after two games. They couldn't run the ball yesterday like they did in week one. Tennessee's defense is pretty good. We could go all that. Ryan Tannehill had a great bounce-back game for the Titans. Their defense makes some big plays. Traylon Burks shine, but here's the thing with the Chargers, and here's my hot take on a Monday. If the Los Angeles Chargers lose this Sunday to the 0-2, another 0-2, Minnesota Vikings, Brandon Staley, their head coach, will be fired next Monday. When I record my podcast next Monday, if the Chargers lose next Sunday, he will be fired. He should have been fired in the offseason because he's not fit to be a head coach. He's not a smart decision maker. He blew that playoff game, and now you lose to the Dolphins and Titans to start your season, and you're in a division with Kansas City where you know it's an uphill battle. And you're in the AFC with a lot of good teams. With a lot of good teams that you're going to have to overcome. They haven't started their NFC schedule yet. They got to play some. They have to play the NFC North. Those aren't gimmies. Green Bay's good. They lost yesterday, which we'll get to, and that's a tough loss for them. But they're pretty damn good. Detroit pushover. They're not a pushover win anymore. Sure, they reverted back to the old Detroit Lions yesterday. They gag away a game, and their defense hasn't been all that impressive. But they're a tough out. Jared Goff is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the entire league. Their offense is really fun to watch. they got a great offensive coordinator. you love it. But Brandon Staley got asked by the media after the game yesterday, the two losses to start this year, Do they have anything to do with the playoff loss last year? (laughs) I love that question. I love that question for whatever media person that was. I I appreciate that question. Because it's a good one. And it's not what happened here. What's the... It's just... It's a dig at the coach, kind of. And he got he got mad at the question. He was upset about it. He knows what's up here. The Los Angeles Chargers are meant to do big things. Everybody says every year, Chargers. It's finally the season for the Chargers. It's it's been the season for the Chargers since Philip Rivers had his second kid, and I think he's got ten now. It's the same story. It's the same thing. Ugh. It's like a Marvel movie. You know the plot, you know the characters, and you know the way it's going to end. And you don't give a shit throughout the middle because it's boring. And then you see the villain die, and oh, great. I just waste another three hours of my life watching this. That's the Chargers. We're going to watch Justin Herbert, and they'll win some games, and they'll be <laughs> nine and seven in the, the second to last week, and they got to win that last game to get in. Some years they might win that game. Other years they'll lose it. 
and they get into the playoffs, you know they're not going to win. You know they're not making a Super Bowl run. You know they're not this threatening team. I didn't pick them to make the playoffs. I didn't think they'd lose to Tennessee when I project, predicted the uh, the win and loss of every game. But I didn't think they'd be great. I didn't trust this team. And the thing is, they've been healthy so far. Sure, they didn't have Austin Eckler, but Keenan Allen's played both games and Mike Williams has played both games. And yet they're still losing. And their offense is mundane. And Ryan Tannehill had four incompletions against this Chargers defense. He didn't complete 44% of his passes in week one. He was awful against Nalens, the Saints tonight, the Bayou, all that junk. They, he couldn't do anything against that, against that team. And now he has four incompletions and he plays pretty well and he kind of saves his job. Wow, the Chargers. I think it'd be a simple transition. You fire Brandon Staley and Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, becomes a head coach. He's wanted to become a head coach. He's got interviews in the past. You didn't bring him in just because you liked his offensive mindset. Because, sure, he was successful with Dallas, but he also was an offensive coordinator where the quarterback of his offense had the most interceptions in the NFL last year in Dak Prescott. He was the offensive coordinator of an offense that had never gotten to an NFC Championship game with a really good team. So he was good, but it's not like you're hiring uh, Mike Shanahan. Kyle even. When Kyle got hired in San Francisco, he was the offensive coordinator of the Falcons. They got to the Super Bowl. Sure, he looked awful in those last couple minutes when they threw the game away, but at least he had some success. He beat Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship game. Just saying. That's my biggest one today is the Chargers. 0-2, and you play the Vikings. And the Vikings are not a good team either. Vikings won the most one-score games in the NFL last year, and they've lost their first two this year. That's what happens. It's the law of averages. Sometimes it breaks your way. Sometimes it doesn't. And it hasn't broken their way so far this year. And Kirk Cousins is on the hot seat. The rumors will only pick up. Would the Jets want to trade for Kirk Cousins after watching Zach Wilson play yesterday? But if you lose to the Vikings at home and you're 0-3 in your division it's tough to see a path forward. Because that's so many games to make up. You still got to play the Chiefs twice. You got to play every team in your division twice. You're like, oh, the Raiders aren't that good. Sure, I agree. Broncos aren't that good. Yes, I thought they'd be better. But it's still a lot to be in that hole. And with a coach that seems testy, that seems unprepared in the big moments, they had a fourth quarter lead, and they blew it. That was the story of the day yesterday. 
Packers, multi-score, fourth quarter lead. Chargers, multi-score, fourth quarter lead. Bronco, uh, sorry, not the Broncos, the Lions against the Seahawks. The Broncos had a big lead going into the second half against the Washington football team. A lot of comebacks. A lot of teams dropping the ball. But just the whole Chargers aura, it never changes. You went from Philip Rivers, fringe Hall of Famer, not going to get in, basically a good quarterback, to Justin Herbert, who's talented, of course, very good. But the feeling around that team hasn't changed. When you went from, you had Andy Reid with Alex Smith. Andy Reid's a really good coach. But when you went Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes, there was a flip in demeanor. There was a flip in perception, in the way they did business. I don't see that yet with the Chargers. I don't think Brandon Staley is the right coach. Sean Payton might be 0-2 in Denver, and it doesn't look great right now because in the first half, Russell Wilson looks like an all-pro, and in the second half, he looks like a complete bust. That's been his season so far. I think Sean Payton and the Chargers should have fired Brandon Staley and hired Sean Payton because they had him. He's living in Los Angeles. He's working at Fox. Who wants to... Maybe it's cool to live in Colorado right now because Deion Sanders makes it look awesome. But give it a month. It'll be hell to live there because it'll be freezing. It'll be snowing for six months. And then nobody gives a shit about Boulder, Colorado. No offense. But you think Sean Payton, you had to choose? Okay, I get to coach in Denver. Ugh. I can coach in Los Angeles. Where Justin Herbert is in his prime. Russell Wilson's on the back nine. I'm stuck with Russ. He can give me a good half. I need two halves of football. I need four quarters, bro. And he gives me nothing. It was it was a flat-out mistake. Sean Payton is a good coach. He's not a great... I think he's... I think he's boosted a little bit on how good he is. He's won one Super Bowl. It, Doug Peterson also has won <laughs> one Super Bowl. So is there a big difference there? Both are good offensive minds, sure. But he's had success. He helped Drew Brees become a Hall of Famer. He helped Drew Brees have a career. And he's not going to give up on Russell Wilson after the first two weeks. But I think if you looked at it and said, okay, I can run my offense with, with goddamn Justin Herbert, I'd rather have that situation. I'd rather that be my circumstance than with Russ. That's just me, however. Let's go to another panic location. Chicago Bears. <laughs> Chicago Bears are 0-2. 
losing to the Tampa Bay Bucks yesterday. Two things are true. Justin Fields is regressing. And their offensive coordinator isn't all that creative. If you watch, and I did watch some of this game yesterday. If you, wa- if you watch the Bears, they play Kansas City this week. They'll be on TV, so be prepared to watch this game. Look out for this. When you're watching the game, watch their receivers and how much separation they give their quarterback. It's not a whole lot. And is Justin Fields reluctant to throw at times? Sure. He gets sacked way too often. Mm-hmm. There are times he should let the ball rip, even if it's a tight window. Because quarterbacks have to do that at times. But when you look up and you see Darnell Mooney and you see Chase Claypool, and they're not really fighting that hard to get open, to have a little bit of separation, to fit in a throw in a tight window. It's difficult to have a whole bunch of success. And DJ Moore is a great ad, but this team still isn't very deep. Their defense kept Tampa on the field the entire game. The drives by Tampa Bay seemed like eight minutes, eight minutes. I'll let you know. It was a time of possession. It was 30, 36 minutes to 24 minutes for Tampa Bay. 437 total yards to 236 for the Bears. It just it didn't work. They have to be panicking because the Bears had the number one pick in the draft and they stuck with Justin Fields, which I agreed with. They traded down and allowed Carolina to select Bryce Young, who we will see play tonight on Monday Night Football. But you could have had Bryce. You could have had C.J. Stroud, who actually I thought played pretty well in a loss yesterday for the Texans. Could add Anthony Richardson. He's been the best of the bunch so far, despite leaving with a concussion yesterday. But the Bears are the way they the way they play, they are going to be fighting with Arizona for the worst record in the NFL. There will be tooth and nail to see who wants to get Caleb Williams. Who wants to be able to draft him out of the USC? Because they don't play with any sort of tempo or purpose. Weird play design. Again, defense isn't all that effective. Their pass rushing situation is still quite weak. And they're playing in a division, yes, it's the NFC North is weaker than it has been in years. 
But every team in the division is better than them, and we all know it. There's no gimme wins on the schedule for the Bears. If you look at the first couple weeks, you get the Packers at home. Good opportunity. You think you can win that game. You get smoked. And then you get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, got to say, have been impressive through two weeks. Got to say, they've been pretty damn good. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin still have something left in the tank. Defense coming up with turnovers. Shaq Barrett picks six. But the Bears have to be looking up going, we are going to be picking at number one again if we continue to play football the way we're playing football. It's it's a play design and it's it's an effort thing, as well. It it absolutely is because you just don't see these guys working all that hard. That includes Justin. That includes Chase Claypool, who's one of the laziest players in the NFL. The offensive line just sustaining blocks. It's all a lack of effort. It's all a lack of just try. When the opposition is working harder than you, they're going to win. So the Bears are in a tough spot, like they always are. <laughs> she look, they're at Kansas City next weekend. That's a fun game. They get the Broncos, Commanders on a short week, who are a tough opponent now. But Justin Fields has to be aware that you're playing for your job, man. You're playing for your future. I don't know how many teams are going to want him either. Sometimes that's the thing. Well, he'll get an opportunity somewhere else. Uh, okay. Finding these these veteran... Look at Trey Lance. Trey Lance is a third stringer and inactive for the Cowboys. He's not getting a snap this year. Unless something crazy happens to Dak and Cooper Rush, he's not going to see the field. In particular, this year, with the amount of great college quarterbacks there is, and there's about eight of them, a lot of guys, a lot of teams are going to be looking young at quarterback. Drafting a guy and saying, that's our future. And if the Bears season continues to go the way it is, they will be too. And Caleb Williams' father came out and said, you know, my boy might stay in college. Because if we don't like our situation... We might not want to go. We'll stay and wait a year. We haven't re- really a quarterback threat in this since Eli Manning back in 04 when his father did not want him to go to the San Diego Chargers. And ultimately, he got him to go to the New York Giants and he, had a, he, had a, he won two Super Bowls there. Caleb Williams is the best prospect to come out of college in a long time. He's even more touted than Mahomes because we didn't know how good Mahomes was in college because he was playing at Texas Tech in a weird offense, and a lot of it was smoke and mirrors. Well, now you look at things and go, we know how good Caleb Williams is. He won the Heisman last year. 
He's the favorite to win the Heisman again this year. He's dropping dimes every week to his receivers at USC. He can do everything that Mahomes does on the field. Of course he's going to be taken number one. So with all that being said, maybe he looks at the situation and goes, the Bears are a mess. They're always a mess. They can't figure out who they want to be their general manager. They can't figure out a quarterback, how to develop one, what weapons he needs. I don't want to go to Arizona either, Dad. Like, Arizona's a joke. What are they doing down there? Although, credit to Arizona, they're playing it perfectly. Playing hard and losing every week. That is the way you do it. That's the dignified tank if you ever saw one. Credit to them and their loss to the Giants yesterday. But if I was a young quarterback and I'm looking at if those two teams have the top pick in the draft, I'm not stoked because I don't love either of those programs. But to me, they're neck and neck of who will get the number one pick in the draft because both of them are pretty bad teams. Arizona might not be that bad, but they find ways to lose, which is what the organization wants them to do. Exactly what the organization wants them to do. So way to go, Josh Dobbs and company. But the Bears are in trouble. They are. Big trouble. Panic. Hammer the panic button with the Bears. Another team that came to mind for me. The Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are 0-2, and they're 0-2 last year. You might go, well, why should they panic? Here's the thing. They're 0-2 with two losses in their own division, losing at the Browns and at home to the Baltimore Ravens. They play in the toughest division in football. The best division in football. The Ravens are better than they were last year. The Browns are better than they were last year. And despite the week one failure and lack of a performance, the Steelers are better than they were last year. So with all that being said, you're 0-2. And your quarterback, who's now the highest paid player in the league, re-aggravated his quad injury yesterday, and he's played maybe the worst quarterback of anybody in the NFL over the first two weeks. Okay, he had a bounce-back performance yesterday. Not really. He didn't play that great. He got outplayed by Lamar Jackson, certainly. Despite the fact that Odell Beckham Jr. left the game after the first half. And you had guys like Nelson Aguilar, who's bounced around, who led the team in catches and led the team in yards. But if Joe Burrow is injured and his quad is actually a problem, and he's not going to be 100%, 100% moving forward, that concerns me. They're off till next Monday. They get the Rams, who have been a tough out. Go to Tennessee. That's a physical team. That's not a fun game to go play in Tennessee and have to deal with that defense. That's not fun. 
I would panic because of just how difficult it's going to be. Browns one more time. Ravens one more time. Steelers twice. They play the Chiefs on their schedule. They get Arizona, so there's your fortune again. Seattle, not a fun opponent. They have to go to San Francisco this year. Oof. They got they get they play the Bills at home. It's just, it's not easy. It's not an easy schedule. A lot of landmines. A lot of things got to go right. And if your quarterback is hurt, your best player, that doesn't bode well. I still trust in Joe Burrow, and I think he'll get better because he had a slow start last year. And my panic button is not blaring, but the light's on. The light's on because if he's if his quad's messed up all year, how's go- how good is he going to play? If you remember last year, Josh Allen was hurt in like week 10 for the Bills. And the Bills were in a good spot because they started their season like 7-2 and two or 8-1. and one. And he didn't play well in the second half of the season at all. But they coasted to a division title and they coasted to the playoffs. So everything was okay in Bills country. But he was never the same. The team was never as threatening. And... That was kind of overshadowed by the DeMar Hamlin situation. And when they got to the playoffs, they got smoked by the Bengals. In part because Josh Allen was not the quarterback to his full potential. Well, it's week two. And if Joe Burrow is not healthy now, he's likely not going to be healthy in week 15. Because you only get one bye week. Every other week, you got to play football. And you got tough opponents coming at you. And if somebody knows you have a quad injury and you're on the injury report every week with a quad injury, teams will target it. That's pro sports. When you know somebody has an injury, you attack it. There's nothing wrong with it. That's gamesmanship. That's pro sports. And I don't, I don't even view that as dirty. I, I view that as, as intelligent. You'd be stupid not to do it. You go into an MMA fight, you know the guy's got a, a bad foot. He hurt, hurt it in training. Throw some leg kicks. Stomp on his foot. Do whatever you have to do. Limit his movement because it helps you win. Hit Joe Burrow a couple times. Knock him on the ground. See how he feels. Force him to try to move in the pocket. See how well he's moving. He ran once yesterday in their loss against Baltimore. So he's not going to be that mobile. How good is he going to be? I'm not completely panicked on the on the Cincinnati Bengals. Because you love their roster. Higgins, Boyd, Jamar Chase, sure. But you're 0-2 and two losses against divisional opponents. Talk briefly about the Broncos. If you look at the stat line, Russell Wilson, 18 for 32, 308 yards, three touchdowns, 
one interception. Those are deceiving because one of his touchdowns was a complete heave at the end of the game for a Hail Mary that Johnson caught for a second touchdown of the game, and then they failed on a two-point conversion that I didn't think was pass interference, but a lot of people did, but I didn't think so, so who cares? He it looks great. Three touchdowns, one interception. He didn't make many mistakes. Great. Sure. He had two incompletions in the first half. He had Marvin Mims for both catches that Marvin Mims had yesterday. He had two for 113. He had all that yardage in the first half. He tails off in the second. It seems like the game plan switches, the the intensity that the team has goes away. The Washington Commanders had three touchdowns in the second half. 21 points to 13. They just came out and said, we're going to attack. Sam Howell played pretty well, pretty damn well himself. Brian Robinson Jr. had one of his best games in his NFL career so far, running the rock, finding space and having the ability to score touchdowns. Four yards per carry average. Not too shabby. There's a couple things here. The Broncos need to find a way to play four quarters of football. Their defense has to find a way to help the offense and get a stop occasionally. But I also want to credit the Washington Washington Commanders are a good team. It's rare to hear that because the Commanders have been under Daniel Snyder for a long time, and they've been a joke, and they've been the worst-run franchise with the worst owner, and he's just he's a scumbag and all of that. Well, new ownership, new quarterback, a strong front that can play. This team is formidable. This team can do damage. They're in a tough division, no doubt about it. But I also look around and go, well, Jonathan Allen's pretty good. Darren Payne's pretty good. Chase Young played yesterday when he's healthy. He's pretty good. So why can't this team do damage? We look yesterday. Chase Young, sack and a half. Montez Sweat, sack and a half. Sack for Darren Payne. Davis had a sack. Williams, they, they sacked uh, De- uh, Russell Wilson six times yesterday. The Washington defense. The Denver offensive line had five false start penalties yesterday. Just stupid mistakes. Mike McGlinchey, since coming over from San Francisco, has not been very good at right tackle. Emmanuel Forbes, their first-round pick, had his first career interception yesterday. This defense gaining confidence 
It's a second-year quarterback in Sam Howell, but he played one game last year, so he's essentially a rookie. He's getting more and more confident. He's reading the pocket better. He does have some athleticism, and he can throw the ball. No doubt about that. Terry McLaurin, I think, is a little banged up, but he's still playing well. McLaurin had five catches. Just Bates had three catches. Gibson, three. Robinson had two. They don't got elite receivers, but they have enough good guys to keep the opposing team honest and chew them up. So the commanders are on the rise. But Denver's 0-2, and, now they, and they lose two games at home as well. And now they go to play the Dolphins. Poof. Not an easy task after being 0-2. Sean Payton's got to be shaking his head. Because sure, they got the Hail Mary yesterday. But they had no business winning that game because they threw away the fourth quarter. And the second half again is their Achilles heel. Russell Wilson better start playing better. Sean Payton has no allegiance to him other than just this year. I don't think he'll he'll be afraid to pull you know pull the ripcord and go. You know what? Maybe you're not the answer going forward for me. I came back to the NFL to have success, and it's likely not going to be with you. So let me do it with somebody else. Might not be Jared Stidham, but maybe I'll try it with him for now. There's a lot of great quarterbacks in the draft. Maybe I'll look at them. Just just a thought. It's tough to lose at home to the Raiders in week one. The Raiders, who are not a good team. But yet you lost. My last kind of... This is a quasi-panic before we get to some patience and teams that I think are playing really good football. The New England Patriots. Patriots are 0-2, folks. 0-2 with two losses at Gillette. Two one-score losses. Double. I think Bill O'Brien has helped Mac Jones, certainly. Mac Jones has played fine in his first two games. Here's my thing. The Patriots can't run the ball. Stevenson, 15 carries for 50 yards last night, three-yard average. That's junk. Mac Jones ran it five times. Ezekiel Elliott only ran it five times for 13 yards. Mac Jones threw it 54 times in week one and 42 times in week two. What's... Why? This team... 
is more talented than I thought they were. I'll give them that. Gasecki, Hunter Henry's been a great red zone target so far this season. Devontae Parker can still, he's not threatening, but he can make catches. Pop Douglas had a bad fumble last night, but he, he's got some creativity in there. But you brought in Zeke. You have Ramondre Stevenson to run the football. And yet you played the Dolphins last night who gave up over 220 yards rushing in week one, and you didn't get 70. Sure, Vic Fangio is a great defensive coordinator. No doubt about it. His calling card normally is shutting down opposing air raid offenses. So you think, okay, we're going to attack him. Let's attack him in the run game. But you didn't. And you only score 17 points. It's funny because you're, well, Mac Jones has looked a lot better. Sure. He's 0-2. And he's a limited quarterback of what he can do. He doesn't have a good arm. He... (laughs) His pocket awareness is not all that good, if you ask me. He gets incredibly frustrated. I don't think he blames himself enough for his... Lack of success. I see him on the sideline. He seems to be giving it to other people when he misses throws and he just, oh, it's got to be his fault. Okay. You're not fucking Tom Brady. You can't get away with that yet. Brady wasn't doing that as a rookie. It just looks, watching that the entirety of the game last night, the Patriots have always been boring. So they're sticking to who they were. Even when they had Tom Brady, they were boring. And I know Patriots fans, I'm friends with them, listen to this show. And I appreciate the support. But you know your team was boring. You won, which we can all appreciate. I have no problem with it. Because I have no problem with how the Devils won. They win their Stanley Cups. Oh, people don't like it because they defend so well. They check. I don't care. You won. People that are bitching about your style are people that are teams that are a bunch of losers that didn't win. But when you had Tom Brady and the Patriots had their parade of little white guy receivers and sent some really, really good defensive players, Ty Law over the course of time, and Chandler Jones for a period, and Trey Flowers when he was in his prime, and, you know, some Hall of Famers. Rodney Harrison, who picked the Patriots to win the game last night in NBC. <laughs> Almost all the whole that. Almost all of NBC did. I wonder why. Kind of funny. Most of them have worked for the Patriots, but that's a whole other story. It's kind of almost why they got the Sunday Night Football game. But we won't get into that, okay? But the Patriots were boring since I came out of the womb. But they were successful at being boring. But their lack of creativity in the passing game their inability to run the ball. Their defense kept the Dolphins to 24 points last night. They nearly skunked Tua in the second half. One touchdown, and it was by a Raheem Mostert 40-yard jaunt to the end zone, untouched. They got pressure on Tua. Their corners played well. Bill Belichick's side of the ball, defense, 
was pretty damn good last night. All I know is this, they lose a one-score game in week one and lose a one-score game in week two. And a lot of times that has to do with the quarterback and play design. Fourth down to Kayshawn Booty, week one, sideline. Can't get his feet in. Throw, he threw the ball too far. Couldn't get his feet in. Last night, oh my God, he throws it short. Basically, does a Kirk Cousins. Let's check it down. Check it down, short of the line again. Gasecki has to pitch it back to an offensive lineman, and that fails. I think Patriots fans want Mac Jones to be the answer. Want him to be a great quarterback, to be the next guy in their lineage, but I just don't think he's going to be that. It's, oh, it's the offensive coordinator last year. Well, they're 0 2 this season. And their offense is not impressive. 20 points in week one. I think Mac Jones was talking about how impressive he was because he threw a couple touchdown passes. They scored 20 points at home and they scored 17 in week two. And you lose both games at home. I just think it's very hard to win with their style anymore of just boring try to play mistake-free football, well, Pop Douglas, fumble, Mac Jones, interception, trying to throw the ball deep the one time that he did, and it gets picked off. It has to be dink and dunk. It has to be, okay, we can't take any chances. Let's not establish a strong passing game so we can't run the football. I'm not saying give up on Mac Jones, and the Patriots are going to win some games this year. Because their roster is, defensively at least, quite good. Matthew Judon's great. Unfortunately for Jones, he got injured last night. But they're they're solid on their defense. 25 points given up to the Eagles. 24 points given up to the, to the Dolphins. Nobody's doing better than that. Did you watch Tua in week one? He was the best quarterback in the league. So that side of the ball, you can't ask for much more. Keeping the team to field goals, forcing them into bad situations, Tua throwing a bad interception. You'll take all of that. But at the end of the day, okay, we did all of that. We still lost the game. And we're 0-2. And we got we got a tough go of it. Because they can't this iteration of the page of the Patriots can't beat the Bills. They never beat Josh Allen. Ever. They got to play the Cowboys. That's always fun. Particularly this season, they get to play the Cowboys. They play the Raiders. They play the Bills twice. They gotta play the, we got to go play the Dolphins in Miami in Week 8, which never votes well for the Patriots. Who else do they got? They got the Commanders this year. That's no gimme. So, this isn't the end of the Patriots dynasty because that ended when Brady left. But the way 
Belichick approaches it, and the way that they currently play offense and they play ball, it's just not, it's not sustainable for winning. It's never going to win you a Super Bowl anymore. It's not going to get you into the postseason, quite frankly. Sorry to all my friends. Sorry to Bill Simmons and Kevin Wilds and all the Patriot homers out there. Sorry to my grandfather. Sad to see. I'm glad he's not around to see this iteration of the Patriots because they stink. And they're not, they're not fun at all. At least, at least when you won and you were boring, you could say you won. Devils won. Okay, we play a boring style, but we won games. This Patriots team's boring and they don't win. Oof. And get them off primetime. Come on. Sunday Night Football, week two. I get it, NBC. Let's talk about NBC, we get it. Rodney Harrison, Chris Sims, Devin McCourty, or whatever one it is, Jason McCourty, one of them. Twin brothers. They both play for the Patriots. Half the staff at NBC worked for the Pats. We got to get them on the network. Got to show Belichick. But no more. No more prime time for the Patriots. They don't deserve it. He said it. You were good way back when. Yes, you were. But I'm of the opinion, and I've said this forever, it's the same thing about Thanksgiving. Just because you were on Thanksgiving in the 40s doesn't mean you should be on Thanksgiving in the 2020s. Well, Detroit was on Thanksgiving in 1970. Who cares? Is it 1970? Are we still riding horses to go get a quart of milk? No. Are we still uh, using carrier pigeon to send uh, messages to people? Are we still... Uh, can't even use that example because it's too bad. Because we, some people still are. Are we still, you know, are we, have we innovated at all? We're using cell phones. There's multiple networks who broadcast games. They're streaming. Sunday Ticket is no longer with DirecTV. It's on YouTube. It's not about, okay, well, it's tradition. Okay. It's about good product to me. You want eyeballs, right? You tell you Patriots are playing primetime? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Because it's not entertaining. It's nothing good about it. The Cleveland Cavaliers played a lot of primetime games when LeBron James is on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now that he's in L.A., they don't have any. Because nobody gives a shit about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Maybe other than me. Because I'll watch them on a random Tuesday night, because why not? The only teams that seem to get this, and it's it's in, in every sport, is Yankees. Although they're good most of the time, we'll give them that. They're not this year, but most of the time. Toronto Maple Leafs, who don't deserve it, because they they never win anything. Dallas Cowboys, who don't deserve it, who have because they haven't won since the nineties. Sure, put put them on this year, but overall, 
And Detroit gets thrown into that mix because they get Thanksgiving because they were on Thanksgiving in the 70s. It's so stupid. Innovation. Are we really innovating or we just keep falling back with the same stupid principles? But what can you do? I don't know. Let's move to the Jets. If you're a New York Jet fan, you're still patient. Despite the fact that your new QB1 has thrown four interceptions in his first two games this season. New York Jets went into Dallas yesterday and lost 30-10. to 10. About what I expected. I did not expect it to be a close game. Taking the Cowboys minus 8.5 was always the correct choice gambling-wise. But looking at the game, if you take away the Garrett Wilson 68-yard catch, which he caught in a slant and took to the house, it's a pretty small day for Zach Wilson. Only com- only completed 12 out of 27 passes, which is not good. That's 44%. He was pressured a lot. Micah Parsons, you could argue, has been the best player in the NFL through the first two weeks. But three interceptions yesterday... The thing with the Jets is they can't lose their locker room and they can't lose their season too early. They get the Patriots this week at home, a team that's not won a game yet, as we just talked about. You have to win that game. You have to win that game. Divisional opponent at home. We know Zach Wilson's going to get the start. If you lose it, and he doesn't play all that well. Garrett Wilson left the game late. Who knows what his injury is? Look like a concussion to me. You're in trouble. And you're stuck with Zach Wilson again through a you're going through another season where you have a roster that can contend for a championship. Because I think that Jets defense, sure. Did they have their problems yesterday? You could look at it and go, and Dak Prescott, you look at his numbers, 31 for 38, 255. He played well yesterday. Don't get me wrong. Played very well. But I actually think the Jets' defense was pretty tough. In the second half, the Jets' defense did not give up a touchdown. Four field goals. 12 points. It's pretty good. They give up some big plays to C.D. Lamb, which they'd want back, and C.D.'s look great through the first two games. And Dak didn't make any mistakes yesterday. Sauce Gardner did drop a pick. But, I mean, you look at it. Dallas had the ball for 42 minutes and 15 seconds yesterday. The Jets had it for 17. The Jets turned the ball over four times. Dallas turned it over zero. 
134 rushing yards to 64, 248 to 151, 26 first downs to 12 for the G-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. That's an ass-kicking. And to only lose by 20 points and to not allow a touchdown in the second half, despite the fact that that defense was exhausted, is impressive to me. Because the Dallas Cowboys, after two weeks, them or San Francisco, the best team in the NFL. No doubt about it. Cowboys are legit. Cowboys are extremely tough. And they can they can handle they can fight with anybody this year. Micah Parsons looks he's on, he's on a different level. It's inc- it's quite staggering what he's doing this year. He just looks like a guy that's possessed, that will not be stopped. His ability to get to the quarterback. Two, I wrote it down what he had yesterday. Six QB pressures, forced fumble, and two sacks. And he's making every one of his teammates better, and that pass rush is so lethal, and that Jets offensive line sucks. But despite all that, you're in a game, and Zach Wilson was terrible. And your defense kept you in it, so you're still confident that side of the ball. Patriots have a good defense. You're going to be going up against Bill Belichick next weekend. So Dan Quinn to Bill Belichick, two really good defensive minds. You want to keep this team motivated. You want to keep this team believing that they can do something. The Rams lose to San Francisco. Because you knew the Rams were going to lose to San Francisco. They covered the spread and they fought hard. Played extremely well in that game. 17-17 at the half. Credit to the Rams. Credit to the Rams. For their two weeks, the way they played football, Stafford and Puka Nakua, who has the most catches through his first two games in NFL history. Good for you, young. He's incredible what they've done with 34 rookies. And they could have won the game yesterday against San Fran. Hats off to them. I don't think the Rams will want to trade Matthew Stafford. But if I'm the Jets, I don't believe in Zach Wilson. I don't believe that you just ride with him unless you really have to. You call up every team and you hear a no. You call up Minnesota and you say, hey, Kirk D. Cousins is on your roster. Maybe you guys want the top pick in the draft. You're in contention with it. Maybe you could go get Caleb Williams or get Drake May or my guy Michael Penix Jr. out of the University of Washington. You could be in that mix, play Nick Mullins the rest of the year. I don't think Minnesota's going to give up yet, but if they lose to the Chargers this weekend and they're 0-3, you're not making the playoffs. You don't have Kirk Cousins signed up long-term. So you will be looking at the quarterback position for somebody to upgrade. Call up Stafford. Unlikely with the Colts because Anthony Richardson has a concussion. And Gardner Minshew played pretty well in relief yesterday because he's a pretty good quarterback. He's one of the better backups in the league. I doubt New Orleans is going to trade Jameis Winston because why trade a great insurance policy? 
You're not going to trade for Kyler Murray because that's a disaster. You're not going to bail Arizona yet. You'd love to get Baker, but Tampa's not giving up on their seat. They're 2-0 in a very winnable division. So you have limited options, and I get it. It's tough. But I just view it as a punt on the season if Zach Wilson remains the court because he's just not the guy. He looks like a scared, scared little boy. He's only a couple years younger than me, but he looks like he's five years old. He's still, I don't think he's had facial hair yet. He, he doesn't look prepared. He doesn't look like he's ready to be a starting quarterback in the NFL and do it effectively. He makes poor just poor decisions. Everybody knows his kryptonite. Just get pressure on him. He'll heave the ball up. And like Dallas did yesterday, he came up with three interceptions. Because I like the Jets, the rest of their roster. But there might be some, there's already some strife. Because Brees Hall got four carries yesterday for nine yards. That's all he got to carry the football, and he complained about it after the game. Dalvin Cook ran the ball four times for seven yards, and he had a fumble. So he didn't have a good day either. Zach Wilson led the team in carries and in yards rushing. Five carries for 36 yards. Not going to win many games doing that. So I don't know. He's got to learn to play with Nathaniel Hackett, I get it, and be another quarterback coming into the system, which makes it difficult. But I, I still will be of the opinion that Carson Wentz would be a better option for the Jets this season than Zach Wilson. And it might be burning a bridge with a quarterback moving on, but you, you've already burned the bridge. You benched him last year. You brought in Aaron Rodgers to replace him. He's not the answer long-term, and you know it. So who cares? It's about this year. There will not be a quarterback available that is better than Aaron Rodgers. But is there somebody better than Zach Wilson? Yes. And for the Jets, making the playoffs is a big deal. Because they haven't done it in forever, since 2010. Just getting in. The way your team's set up, you could do it this year. The Jets are as good as the Bills. The Bills played well yesterday. Josh Allen had a, a bounce-back game. But I, I don't think much of the Raiders. The Raiders aren't a good team. Chandler Jones isn't on the field for the Raiders. They're having their own problems. So one of your best pass rushers in there... Buffalo got a lot of good calls, quite frankly. They got to do more to prove to me that they're a really good football team. Bills get Commanders in week three. There's a good game. But they have other problems on the team, sure. They got a lot of young young players and they can complain 
about the amount of times they get the football. But it's going to be more complaining if Zach Wilson's there the whole year and this team's losing. Because they're going to. They had a tough start to this season with Aaron Rodgers. So they get the Patriots, easiest game of their next couple. They host Kansas City. Go to Denver. Host the Eagles. Then they have their bye in week seven. Come back from that, have to play the Giants at MetLife. Chargers, you go on from there. They're tough games. No gimmies. So, I'd be looking at different alternatives. To me, it's not just, well, Zach Wilson's our guy and we can't do any better. That means you're just not working that hard at it. You're not doing your job to its fullest extent just by saying, well, we got Zach Wilson and we can't do any better. Okay, well, did you make a call? Did you look into anything? No? Okay. The rest of the day. I am patient from the Kansas City Chiefs. They did not play well yesterday. They were fortunate to win in Jacksonville. But like the Eagles, they are two they they won the game. They're one and one. Eagles are two and oh, but they won the game yesterday. You go on the road to a tough opponent and you get the win. They had a Mahomes interception, a muff punt, and a fumble in the first half, and yet they led 7-6 at halftime. Travis Kelsey was having a complete breakdown. They had a big offensive huddle, a meeting where they talked to everybody. And in the second half, it got better. It didn't become perfect, but it got better. Mahomes settled in, and they win the game 17-9. Here's why I'm a bit looking forward. I go, okay, maybe we're okay. I think the Chiefs are going to be reliant this season on athletes. They're going to be an athlete team. Not a skill team. And here's what I mean by that. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of deep plays, a whole lot of great routes. Sure, you'll see it from Travis Kelsey. He's clearly banged up. Only had four catches for 26 yards yesterday. He did have a touchdown. But he was 100%. But I think you're going to see a lot of screen passes. A lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. With blockers out in front to lead to bigger plays. So Kadarius Tony had a 17-yard play yesterday on a screen pass. Sky Moore had a 54-yard play where it was a really a quick slant underneath and he broke it off. 
Noah Gray picked up 16 yards. Justin Watson is one guy who will be a deep threat guy. He's, he can move down the field. He had a, a 34-yard catch. So they have the potential. They have the bodies to do it. I think it's going to be more line of scrimmage, create opportunities through hard work rather than let's see what we can do in space. Because through two weeks, they have not done that. They didn't even have the guys to run that particular offense. Mahomes has had to run more than I think he'd like to. He ran seven times yesterday for 30 yards. Pacheco got the ball in the second half. He ran uh, 12 times for 70 yards. They need to do that more, quite frankly. Give him the football. He's a powerful running back. Allow him to plow forward to create passing opportunities for Patrick Mahomes. They have been thoroughly unimpressive through two weeks, but they are one and one. And that's the biggest thing. You got through it. You escaped. Jacksonville went 0-4 in the red zone. The Chiefs' defense has been on point. Chris Jones came back. He played well yesterday. Got a sack and a half. George Karloftis, to me, has looked awesome. Through the first couple weeks for the Chiefs. Karloftis, Chris Jones, and Uzama all had a sack and a half yesterday. They can do more to get to the quarterback. Jarius Sneed forced a fumble. You give up nine points on the road in Jacksonville to Trevor Lawrence. I'll take that. I mean, Jacksonville has to be kicking themselves. You should have won that game. Zero for four in the red zone. The amount of pass plays in the back of the end zone that didn't need to happen. Why not try to run the football? Didn't get it. Christian Kirk, 11 for 110 yesterday was good. Calvin Ridley didn't find a whole lot of connection with him. He caught one of the first passes of the game. After that, he went away. But I think Jackson is going to turn on that tape and go, how did we lose? We should be 2-0 in the driver's seat in the AFC with the Dolphins. But they aren't. Now they got to rebound and go play Houston in a divisional game to get back on track. If I'm Kansas City, I'm patient. Because of the reigning Super Bowl champions, you have the best player in the league. And you had all season to figure it out. Kelsey's back. Chris Jones is back. Just, just pump the brakes. Play some football. Kadarius Tony didn't have a drop yesterday. Didn't have a fumble. He played pretty well. And they used him in a lot of creative ways. Like Andy Reid only can. Best game of the day was Seattle-Detroit. If you ask me. Geno Smith balled out. As did Goff, quite frankly. Biggest moment of the game was Jared Goff throwing a pick six. Detroit goes down the field, kicks a field goal to tie it to send it to overtime. 
But Seattle won the toss, and Detroit's defense couldn't get a stop. But I got a text yesterday from my mother, and I was so proud of her in this moment. I mean, I love her every time, but I loved her even more. She texted me and said, I love Sam Laporta on Detroit. Oh, as do I, Mom. As do I. I loved him when he was an Oregon State Beaver way back when, meaning last year, playing in the Pac-12 late at night. And you just see him running beautiful little fade routes. Detroit's fun. I still don't understand why they're not using J Jameer Gibbs more. Seven carries yesterday. He had seven receptions. I get it, but you need give him the fucking ball. Bijan Robinson's getting the ball in Atlanta. They're winning games. They snuck one out yesterday against Green Bay. Don't know how Green Bay blew that game, but they did. Credit to Arthur Smith and the Falcons. Falcons are 2-0. Bucks are 2-0. <sighs> Craziness. And the Saints might be 2-0 after tonight. If they beat the Panthers. But credit to Seattle. You drop an egg against the Rams in week one at home. You go into Detroit, jam-packed field, sold out. And you go win that game in overtime. That was awesome. Tyra Lockett, two touchdown receptions. Kenneth Walker, Jr., the third, two touchdowns on the ground. A battle for the ages. These two teams wouldn't surprise me if they play in the playoffs later this year because both teams can flat-out play. Here's my last thing I want to say with the NFL before we get to the lines tonight. Through two weeks, through two weeks, the best quarterback in the NFL has been Baker Mayfield Jr. the third. 2 0. Gutsy runs, as Todd Bowles likes to say. Hasn't thrown an interception. Hasn't fumbled. How about him and Mike Evans yesterday? Six receptions, 171 yards. Chris Godwin, another five catches. He had seven in week one. They got a good offense. Their offensive line has been holding up. Their defense is still great. So that was always the great thing about Tampa. That's why Tom Brady chose to go to Tampa Bay because he said, holy shit, this defense is really good. You look at this at the box yesterday. Defensively, Tryon Shanoika, two sacks. Vita Vea, sack and a half. Gill, sack. Shaq Barrett had two tackles for a loss, a sack, and a pick six. He might win defensive player of the week. They're still legit. Still got Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Winfield Jr., Vita Vea in the middle, Tryon Shanoika. Breaking out. Ryan Neal, Jamel Dean at corner. But Baker's just looked comfortable. He's looked prepared. You go win in Minnesota, and then you beat the Bears. And yes, those teams have a combined zero wins. But for him, 
It's just about confidence. Just about starting to feel, getting his teammates to buy into him, his coaching staff to believe he can be successful. He has been. He gets his big test in week three, Monday Night Football at home against the Philadelphia Eagles. But through two weeks, because a lot of guys haven't been that good, he's been the best quarterback in the NFL. Not far off from that, Sam Hell. Two of you right there. See how Derek Carr looks tonight, Deshaun Watson. But that's my answer. Lamar's been pretty good. 2-0 Ravens, quietly. Exactly how they'd want it. Just 2-0. Nobody's talking about them. Beat a team in your division. On the road. Gotta love it. We got two games this evening in the National Football League. Two straight weeks of a doubleheader on Monday Night Football. Saints at the Panthers, Browns at the Steelers. Saints are a three-point favorite on the road tonight. Panthers defense can play. Brian Burns is one of the better pass rushers in the NFL. They're going to be without J.C. Horn tonight, who was injured in week one. He's one of their top corners. I don't trust the offensive line of the Panthers to keep Bryce Young upright. I like the Saints pass rush. They still have Cam Jordan. They still have Demario Davis, who will put pressure on blitzes to get to the quarterback. So, looking at everything, I don't think the I think the Panthers. I think the Panthers are one of the best teams in the NFL. So one of the worst teams in the NFL. They just, they don't have all the talent that you'd want. And you can get Saints minus three. That's the play. Saints are going to win tonight in Carolina. I'm surprised that the line is not higher, quite frankly. Second game, we get Browns at the Steelers. Browns, also a road favorite tonight. Steelers couldn't have played worse in week one. Browns look solid against the Bengals. Browns pass rush. Their new new defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, showed off what he can do in week one. This is an important game for the Steelers, just like it is for the Bengals. They might be 0-2, and Steelers will be 0-2 at home to start their season. I believed in the Steelers, and they completely let me down in Week 1. I love the Browns' defense. I think they're not, no Cam Hayward for the Steelers tonight. No Deontay Johnson for the Steelers tonight. You're playing a good team, and you're without without good players. It's tough to get the job done. I hate hate betting favorites. But I would take the Browns. I think the Steelers are too banged up, and the Browns are a pretty damn good football team. They're a team to look out for in the AFC. is just a really, really tough out. 
So I do think both road teams will get victories tonight. I think both road teams will cover the number. Take them as favorites. This weekend, a lot of a lot of stuff happened. Like we did last week, we're going to talk UFC tomorrow. So that's a bigger discussion, and I want to save that with the main event, some stuff that happened this weekend at Noche UFC, which was a lot of fun. College football, I mentioned before, it was a bit of a quieter weekend. There was some upsets. Mizzou beating number 15, Kansas State, on a walk-off 61-yard field goal. Never happens in college. So Ohio State continue to find their rhythm. Offensively, they had a very good week, and they get their biggest test of the season when they play Notre Dame this coming weekend. This coming weekend in college football is the cream of the crop. It doesn't get much better than this. Florida State nearly lost to Boston College, a nice cover of a Boston College, but Florida State escapes. Penn State winning. LSU destroys Mississippi State. Jaden Daniels, 30 for 34, 361, two touchdowns, two touchdowns on the ground. Um, South Carolina pushed Georgia, certainly, but Georgia bounced back. They did not give up a point in the second half. Carson Beck, actually, I thought in a game where they struggled, he impressed me with his play. Georgia escaped. Alabama, they won 17-3 to against South Florida, but they scored their touch. It was garbage time, their last touchdown by Ty Simpson. It was a 10-3 ball game in the fourth quarter. South Florida is an awful team. They put up three points. Their quarterback threw for 87 yards. Alabama has got Ole Miss this week, who are ranked. Alabama is now outside the top 10 for the first time since, I believe, 2001. They're going back to Jalen Milrow after they benched him this past weekend. So they're going back to the most athletic of their quarterbacks. But they look completely out of sorts. They did, that was a, a horrible game, and they had no game plan. Ole Miss is undefeated. Massive game there. My Pac-12, Washington 41-7, Penix Jr. 473. No big deal. Four touchdowns. UCLA 59-7 over North Carolina Central. I love, I love watching UCLA. Dante Moore, f- true freshman. Can do it all out there. Washington State crushes Northern Northern Colorado. An upset I did have for once. Florida dominates Tennessee, twenty nine to sixteen. Tennessee, I knew they were frauds. Their offense just has nothing going. They're not an impressive team, but a huge win for Florida for that program. They are now ranked twenty fifth in the country. So an impressive uh, big game for them. Ole Miss, as I mentioned, Oregon. Texas struggling with Wyoming. Wyoming with the cover, like we all knew they would. But but the biggest result of the, of the day, the crazy game that kept me up till 3 o'clock in the morning, other than the fact that I can't sleep, so I'll probably be up anyway. Colorado, Colorado State. 
Early in the game, Travis Hunter gets hit dirty down the field. Ball's completely gone. He's knocked out. He's out at least three weeks. Colorado State did this the whole game. They came out. I, I didn't like their approach, but it was successful. They, they came in as a 22.5-point underdog, and they went all the way to double overtime. But Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes survive it and get through with a victory. Shadur Sanders, another unreal performance. 38 for 47, 348, four touchdowns. I'm loving this team more and more every time I watch them. Xavier Weaver, the wide receiver. Harrison, the tight end, is going to the NFL. He's He had two touchdown receptions. But the Buffaloes are now the 19th ranked team in the country. They don't have a loss. And now they start their tough schedule entering Pac-12 where they get Oregon this coming weekend, who are also 3-0, who won 55-10 against Hawaii. Last time I checked, we'll talk about this on Friday as we preview everything, but they are twenty, at least a 20-point underdog against Oregon heading into Eugene this weekend. But it was huge for the for Colorado. It would have been embarrassing if they lost, but they get to double overtime and they overcome it and they find a way to win. They're 2-0 at home on the season. They had one win all of last year. They already have three. But they get LSU. They get USC, sorry, uh, in week five. They have one of the toughest schedules in college football because if you play in the Pac-12, you have a tough schedule because every team in the Pac-12 is pretty good. So they play Oregon at 4.30 this Saturday. Then they host USC, go to Arizona State, host Stanford, go to UCLA, host the Beavers, Oregon State, who are ranked, host Arizona, go to Washington State, another ranked school, and they finish their season against Utah, who have won the Pac-12 the last two seasons. So if I look, I think they're going to lose this weekend in Oregon. I think they lose to USC. That's 3-2. and two. They beat Arizona State 4-2. and two. They beat Stanford 5-2. and two. UCLA, let's say they win that game and upset sort of. They're 6-2, lose to Oregon State 6-3. Beat Arizona seven and three, maybe finish seven and five or eight and four. That'd be a hell of a season for Coach Prime and the Buffaloes after going one and eleven last year and having to recruit, do all the recruiting in one cycle with the transfer portal on that. That would be a massive victory for this program. I know him; he thinks they're going to beat Oregon this weekend in Eugene, and maybe they will. But they're not that good. Of, they're not that good of a team. The offensive line isn't all that good. Defensively, they have a lot of holes. They're going to be without Travis Hunter the next three games. He plays wide receiver and corner, and they need him to play corner more than he does wide receiver. That's going to be a huge hole for them. But they're still the biggest story in college football. They're still going to be primetime the next two weeks. You saw the amount of people that were there. Game day, big noon, we're both in Colorado this past weekend. 
Lil Wayne was performing. The Rock was out there, and he was on SmackDown Friday night. Big return for him. I mean, it's crazy what he's done for that area. My mother was texting me about it, and she doesn't watch college football. Did you watch the Dion game? Yeah, I was texting her Sunday morning because I was up. I was up till 3 o'clock in the morning watching it. I was thinking, okay, UFC's done. That's my late sport. Oh, wait, yeah, the Buffaloes are still on. I got to finish this game. And I couldn't go to bed. <sighs> but tonight we got two Monday Night Football games. We're going to recap Noche UFC tomorrow which was interesting. A lot of interesting results. Where do we go from here? Tomorrow, I'm going to react to the Mike Babcock story. I got some thoughts. And I know everybody has been kind of... You know what? I got a minute. Let's do that now. All over, it's, well, Spittin' Chicklets was right. And I'll start off by going, like, I don't think Spittin' Chicklets is a good podcast. If you guys like it, I have, I don't blame you. It's your, it's your content. If you listen, if you take your time to listen to me, I appreciate it. If you give them your listen, I don't blame you. I, it's just my personal opinion. There's podcasts I really like. I think, like, for instance, Bill Maher is a controversial figure. Not everybody likes him. I think he's funny. I think he's interesting. I listen to his shit. Not everybody does. I don't listen to every Joe Rogan interview because I don't think he's that down the line. I think when he brings people on, it's not always that interesting. That's just one guy's opinion. If you like listening to Joe Rogan, good on you. As do as do I sometimes. Jordan Peterson, interesting guy, sometimes a little too crazy. So that's just where I'm starting on this. Mike Babcock was always a hire that nobody was going to like. That's a fact. He was... He wasn't fired in Toronto because of this, but it had a big... In Toronto, he asked his players who he thought wasn't working that hard. And then he made it public. And Mitch Marner was a young player, and Mitch Marner didn't like it. And I think Mitch Marner's father didn't like it, which made Leafs Nation hate Mike Babcock. And Mike Commodore hates him, and Johan Franzen wasn't a big fan of him. And I don't think Mike Babcock's a nice guy. I think he's weird. I think he's he's Mike Babcock. But he was fired in part in Toronto. Yes, their play wasn't all that good because the superstars were starting to, in my opinion, revolt against him because he was not what they wanted. So they went in a different direction. No problem. That's their prerogative. Here's the rub if you will. This Columbus situation, was it weird that he wanted to post pictures of family? I don't find that that weird. He wanted people's phones so you could pick pictures of their family on the, on the screen to connect with them. I think that's a, I think that's a, a nice gesture, quite frankly. I think it's a good bonding tool. Here's what I know. People that have children like you to know that they have children. 
majority of the time, people that have a pet like to let you know that they have pets because they like to show you pictures of them. I'm not one of those people. I can't remember the last time I took a picture on my phone, but I'm different. I'm weird. I'm not for I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I say that to people all the time. And they're like, you shouldn't say that about yourself. And I go, no, it's just the truth. So maybe me and Babs would get along. I don't know. But I people that have kids like to show off their kids because it's the biggest accomplishment they'll ever have in their life. My mother told me this way back when. I still think it's a crazy statement, but that's her words, not mine. Again, I don't know what it's like to be a parent other than having my uh, nine-year-old, nine-and-a-half-pound dog, which I don't have any pictures of, if anybody's asking. But it's a bonding tool that some people found weird. Did they find it weird, or did they just not want him as a head coach, and this is the way you do it? Because people can get out of things now. In our world, it's not what the person has done. It's the perception of what the person has done. It could be <laughs> anything. I mean, it, it, it started with the cancel culture, cancel culture era. And to me, this is a more cancel culture firing than it is anything else. We don't want Babcock because he's a dick as our head coach. Okay. Well, yeah, he is. And now today in a press conference, they're saying, why wouldn't you fire Yarmo Kekalainen for hiring this guy? Oh my God. I'm not saying Mike Babcock, Mike Babcock's a perfect coach because he is. He's weird. He's made mistakes. I, I don't think the Marner one was a mistake. Least Nation thinks that's a mistake because it's Mitch Marner and they gotta they gotta say that it's a mistake because oh my god he hurt one of our players' feelings. Who gives a shit? That team needs some fucking tough love because they've won Jack since he left. Fact. The biggest thing he's okay. He wasn't great to the mule, Johan Franzen. Did I like the way that he healthy scratched players at the end of their careers? Chris Chelios and some of the all-time greats? No, that was, that was classless. Gutless. But do I think he did anything that bad here? Because all the reports that are coming out, the investigation, players felt uncomfortable. What does that mean? What does that mean, players felt uncomfortable? Did he grope them? If, if asking how your kids or if you have children, is that, a, is that a, a question that makes you feel uncomfortable? Not my purview, not my experience. If I didn't see somebody I hadn't seen in a while, or I got to know, how are your kids? Is that a, is that a question that's going to give you the heebie-jeebies? It's going to be, oh, this guy's a weird dude. He's asking how my kids are. Do you want to know where they are? Is that, is that a weird thing to ask somebody? Nobody wanted Mike Babcock back in the game, including people in hockey. Including the commissioner's office, if you ask me. Because we're in a new world where you have to treat players like they're the bosses. And the hazing of old was not the way to go. 
but a little fear. I talked to my best friend, Sawyer, she talked about the queue. When they lost in the queue, they weren't allowed to talk on the bus because you lost. You weren't allowed to watch a movie. You weren't allowed to do this. Now it's just, oh, it's moving on. That wasn't the goddamn queue. It wasn't the NHL. That was the culture. Now if you're a coach that's even a little bit mean, think of this. Sheldon Keefe with the lease last year called out his players after about the fourth game. The rest of the season he had a muzzle on because he couldn't critique them anymore because the players didn't like it. Inmates running the asylum, and it's not just the lease. It happens across the league. I think the players in that locker room didn't want Mike Babcock because he was going to coach them hard and coach them his way and coach them different than they've been coached the last little while, and they revolted. And they used this, albeit a weird way, sure, the way it's uh, framed. Can I see your phone? Sure. If anybody came up to me and said, can I see your phone? I would say no. Sure. But if it's just to see photos of families, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a weird, smells weird. To me, this was players getting what they wanted. Getting rid of a coach that they didn't want. They didn't want to coach them hard. And now Yarmo Kekalainen, who could have been fired many times before, because he's I think he's just a poor GM, and what they've done in Columbus has been utterly ineffective. He's now, they're asking him if he's firing him for hiring a coach who happened to be a problem. What problem? So you're going to, a coach has to resign because you're going to have to fire him. So he's going to resign. So you have to pay him some money because of some photo thing. And he hasn't changed because he's still an asshole. Most people don't change all that much. So now, because he hired an asshole, hard-nosed coach, you have to fire Yarmar Kekalainen? That's our fucking world right now. That's our world everywhere. 2023. Somebody doesn't get a vaccine, cancel them. Somebody wants to vote Republican, cancel them. Somebody wants to hire a dick for a coach, cancel them. That's the way it works. And it's so stupid and backwards thinking. We're always trying to say, oh, we got to be a forward-thinking society. We're not forward-thinking. We're in the mud staring down at the devil's dick. That's what we do most of the time. God forbid I said the devil. I'll probably cancel for saying that, for Christ's sake. And I'm defending Mike Babcock, for Christ's sake. But yes, I'm going to. Because a podcast said that, oh, he wanted pictures of families? Ugh. And I'll be the only one with this opinion, and it makes me like this opinion even more. Because you hear every short show today, oh, okay, you should have, I don't get it. What did he do wrong? Nobody's explained that to me yet. What, what, is he, what, what did he do wrong, exactly? Oh, he asked for photographs, and it was a bit weird, and we didn't feel comfortable with him. You shouldn't feel comfortable with the coach. I don't know if you should feel uh, comfortable 
with your employer. Most of the time. Because if you're comfortable, you get complacent. And if you get complacent, your work can struggle. And before you know it, you're you feel like you're part of the you're part of the, the clan. You're part of the, the fabric when you're not. You're just an employee. But that's my rant about Mike Babcock. Anything more that comes out, we'll talk about it tomorrow. But we got doubleheader Monday Night Football tonight. Some baseball action. Hope you all enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks for the support, as always. Talk to you tomorrow. This is To The Point.